0: We are going to jump right into it. Glad to have you. Thank you for giving your homework assignments via my email. If you have not done that, please give that to Sandon tonight. Um, That is the three paragraphs typed on the tongue in context class. So um, I'll gladly receive those tonight. How many are enjoying reading the book of James? It's good, isn't it? Tonight we finish it. Isn't that shocking? (laughs) Shocking. So this was a blur. So I just want to go over a couple things, and then we'll jump right into to chapter four. Um, So let's pray. Okay, precious Father, thank you for tonight. We get to open your word and learn the mind of Christ for our lives and we pray that you would uh encourage us tonight with a word a personal word and strengthen us in jesus name. Amen, amen. Hey, so just my review um and you probably want to. Uh, Make sure your notes are my notes, (laughs) Uh, and of course, um, I'm going to give you a take-home quiz tonight that you can take home and use your notes, but um, I want to just go through the five chapters of James, and let me ask you this question. What is the one word that describes James? Action. All right. So we're starting well, okay. So we see the source of our ministry or the action of our ministry is based on what? Is it, yes, all right, two for two. That's good, relationship. So it's not based on need, but it's based on our relationship with God. And as we worship and serve the Lord and get to know the Lord, the overflow goes to people. It's the same rule in homiletics. We don't study to preach a message. We meditate and study to know God, and God gives us a message. Big difference. Huge difference, right? Huge difference. So James is really striving through this whole book to make it clear that our faith is active. It is working. It is moving. It is demonstrating. It is... Um, Not in word only, but in action. And we are not justified by our works, but our works show us that we are justified. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that good? So, chapter 1, we see our faith is tested. And we need to have a tested faith. Why? Why does our faith need to be tested? Say again. What? To prove ourselves, to prove ourselves okay, or to prove the gospel. Maybe it's a better word. Good. Our faith needs to be tested so that we know what we have and what we need, okay? So our faith tested is critical to knowing uh, the, and developing the power and our trust in God. James chapter 2 talked about our faith being displayed. Our faith being displayed. Again, reiterating that we don't just say to somebody in need, have a great night, I hope you you do okay, just trust God, everything will be okay. No, he is saying we are the hands and feet of Christ, doing all that we can, and certainly we may not be able to do everything, but we're doing everything that God leads us to do. Chapter three, we see that our faith is proved, and this is awesome because whose faith are we talking about? Christ's faith, right? And we see that here um, in chapter two of James, chapter uh, chapter two, verse one, and also in Galatians two twenty, that it's the faith of Christ. Amen. It says here, my brethren, do not hold. The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Right. So again, we're we are active because we're getting to know God. We are worshipers, and we are proving Him in the sense of, okay, Lord, you said it, I believe it, and if it's Your will, please uh, develop or show it to us. Chapter four. Is faith contrasted? And we're going to get into that tonight, where there is man's faith and God's faith. There's faith in money, and then there's faith in the Spirit. There's faith, there's all different types of faith. And then chapter 5 is faith rewarded, okay? So I just want us to know those things, okay? Um, Because there's a lot of faith movements that say that it's your faith, That you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. And that's the most demonic teaching because we know there's not healing in the atonement, but healing by the grace and gifts of God. Okay, and I'll get into that later. And that is worthy of our attention in chapter 5. But let's look at chapter 4. So a faith that works by love, Galatians 5, 6. Good verse here. It doesn't mean I need more faith. It means I need more what? Love. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: So as we're loved by God, our trust and reliance and ability to believe God when everything looks impossible, our faith grows. Right? Just read Hebrews 11. We see the... The anatomy of faith, where uh, the impossible becomes possible because our God is not limited. Okay? So let's look at chapter 4 here. And these verses I often use in counseling. Where do your wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that warn your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, wow, that is quite a, those are quite a verse. How many have read those verses before? All of us, right? Yeah. So there are inner conflicts that turn to outer conflicts, inner conflicts that turn into outer conflicts. And this happens when you and I do not resolve to believe God with what he says about what's going on inside and what's going on outside. That's interesting, isn't it? So why do why do people fight in a marriage? Why do people fight in a relationship? Why do people fight and fight God, if I could say it like that? It's because inside they are arguing with who God is. Isn't that good? <laughs> that is really important. It's not about being right, and it's certainly not about being the guy who knows it all i don't want to win an argument i want to win the heart and how does that happen it comes by winning christ so an unresolved conflict could otherwise be known as baggage and we see this a lot in relationship it means it's past things fears, thoughts that have not been resolved at the cross. That's why when someone goes into a a relationship, and let's say they had a bad relationship, their first relationship was bad. They were maybe not treated well, they were said things that were not true, they were destructive. And all of a sudden, they're in a new relationship, and they've not let go of the baggage. And what happens is they bring it to the, the second relationship. And unfortunately, it becomes a filter to truth in that relationship. And I say things like, um, I, maybe I could say that I don't trust. I have fear. I have a struggle believing that that person wants the best for me. Why? Because of unresolved issues in my life. Anxiety is one of those unresolved issues that turns into fear and can turn into a panic. So how do we rectify this? Well, the Lord is saying he actually gives us a way out of dealing with baggage, and I know you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Yes. Because we've all had bad situations, and unfortunately, bad things happen to godly people. Okay? But how we handle it is really valuable, because Joe will tell you on a good hike, you want to travel light. And in life, you want to travel light. But unfortunately, we have way too much baggage. There's too much in us that enters a new situation with an old mindset. And all of a sudden, we're thinking low about, about who God is and what he's provided. So that, that's, kind of a big, that's kind of a big thing right there. Uh, so let's develop this here. Let's actually skip down to the answer, actually. Notice that he says, you ask amiss. You see those words? You ask generally. You ask, your expectation is too low. You ever see a brother get blessed, and you kind of are jealous that they're blessed? Hopefully not, but that can happen. I love it when people get blessed. But sometimes we might ask ourselves, why aren't I getting blessed like that? Lord, what about me, right? And obviously that kind of perspective is not enjoying what God is doing in that person's life. And it's really a test to see if how we would handle it, right? God is saying, can you rejoice when another person that doesn't deserve to be blessed is being blessed? And if you can, then maybe you're ready to be blessed. If you're not... Maybe you're not ready. And God is able to bless whom he wills for his purpose, obviously. All right, so let's look over to Matthew chapter 7. Asking. What does it mean to ask? Well, Matthew 7, 7 gives us three words here. To ask, seek, and knock. And the word ask means to beg, to crave, and to desire God. But very interesting word here. So... One of the troubling things in prayer is that we ask based on what we think the greatest need is Lord, I need to pay my rent. Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need healing, right? Are they good prayers? Of course they are. I'm not here to analyze your prayer life. But the point is, am I asking according to God's will? What is God thinking, doing, and desiring in my situation. This is what he's saying. He says, you guys are so focused on the immediate, and God is looking at the eternal. Right? So the word here in Matthew 7, 7 is like, we ask, seek, and well, let's just read it. It says this. And it's an interesting word. Like I just said, it means to beg God. Was the last time we begged God for something? That might sound a little intense. I hope it does. Right? Because we ask for so little. <laughs> we ask for the crumbs on the table when God's got a sirloin there. He's got a whole He's got a whole table of food and all we want is the corner crumbs. God is like, What are you doing? What are you doing? I've got you're my son, you're my daughter, I've got an incredible provision for you. You want the corner of the table, you want that piece of bread, you want the scrap? Okay, I'll give you the scrap. All right. I don't know about you, I don't want the scraps, right? Do you? You're all quiet all of a sudden. You all right? We want the steak. We want the, we want those sandwiches. Josh brought me these sandwiches today, and was ate like fifteen of them. Yes. I wish I had more capacity. All right, I'm an axe Why am I an axe Matthew seven seven. Okay, here we go. Ask and it'll be given to you. Really? When was the last time you asked for something and it didn't happen? Maybe it was the timing, maybe it wasn't God's will, or maybe I was asking for the wrong thing. Again, I'm not here to analyze your prayer life, but I want to stretch you for a minute. We are limited by our inner conflicts, by our past experience, by our brokenness, by our sin, by those things that give us an excuse and say, God wouldn't do that for me, I'm not good enough, or I'm not doing enough, or I'm not whatever enough. And that God is saying, that is totally wrong. He says, I have great things prepared for you in my will, in my timing. Seek and you will find. Seek me, not, not the need. That's the tough part. When the need is screaming in our face, we are like, God, deliver us, help us, move us, do something. And, <laughs> Right? Immediately get me out of here, right? The house is on fire, right? Get me out of here. And God is saying, "Seek me, ask, beg, crave, desire me." Wait a minute, Lord, uh you don't understand the situation here. It is thr- it is a it is a serious DEFCON 1 here situation, right? And it will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be opened. So I'm not saying I have arrived here. This is a challenge for all of us, what I'm saying. But the the motive, and this is the whole point of James, what is your motive? What is your motive? Will determine in some cases, God is sovereign. He will do what he wills for his purpose. But our motives really often will determine if our baggage gets released and we live in love and we have a new mindset, right? We have a new mindset. If we worry, we say, God, I worry because of whatever and fill in the blank. But I give it to you and it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Look at this. Um, let's look back in chapter 4. What What is he saying here about motives? Well, you lust and do not have. Lust there is not talking about sexual lust. It means to reach for something that God has not given. To reach and say, what you've given me is not good enough, therefore I want to reach for more. That could certainly happen with money. It could cer- certainly happen in sexual Orientations—it can certainly happen in lots of ways. But he says, "You lust," and we understand in First John chapter two that the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and what's the third one? Lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and uh, lust, flesh. Lust, of the flesh. lust of the flesh. Right? These things are all in our natures, and God is saying, "You're asking for the wrong thing. You're asking for the scraps." You're asking for immediate relief when I'm working in you maturity. I'm working in you patience. I'm working in you uh, a ministry that you will give to others. So, and I want to balance this by saying don't analyze your emotions either, uh, your motives, excuse me. Like in this sense, if God gives you the desire and you know anything of God is of God, so the flesh does not desire God, so... (laughs) don't be overbearing on yourself. Is this God did God lead me to do this Am I did I what I say was out of God? Don't do that. Just say Lord, I I am desiring you, seeking you, asking you and just fill my mouth. And if anything's good or anything's of God, then it certainly came from God, right? So 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 notice this, the motives are reason for doing things, right? Well, he goes on to say that you may spend it on your pleasures, right? Adulterers and adulteresses, you do not know that friendship of the world, right, is an, is enmity or you are an enemy of God. This verse always convicts me and I think of it often. If you love the world, the love of the Father does not well in you that's probably one of the most profound verses if you love the world right uh, to agape to desire to pursue after it as if it's your most important thing then god's love is not operating in you so how do i correct that well lord my motives are off i'm honest with you and god says you're right Come to the cross, lay yourself down, agree with me, and I'll give you new motives, which is love that constrains us now, right? It's not partiality. It's not some sort of gain. But now it is a work of God. Okay, now I want us, before I go into verse 8, I want us to skip down to the Ten Commandments of Christian Conflicts. Now, remember... James is known as the New Testament what? Proverbs, Proverbs, good. And he says that because the whole book is full of practical wisdom, especially in James 3.15, which talks about wisdom from above and below. And you can know that by your fruit, right? By the fruits. Well, we see in these verses that there is a way to resolve conflicts. You ever have a conflict with a person? right? All the time, right? And the idea is we can approach it a lot of different ways. We can approach things by facts. We can approach things by fairness. We can approach things by what we think should happen. Well, God is saying there's a whole different way to approach conflict. And remember, conflict shows us what spirit we are of. You ever have a bad day? Never, right? Never. Something just rubs you the wrong way, and all of a sudden your your horns are starting to grow, and your fire is starting to get queued up, right? And you're just thinking about ways to how to destroy the person, maybe? No, 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 never, never like that. No, that happens to me when I go on go karts. Yeah, uh, pastoral aggression comes out a little bit. Anybody, anybody have, anybody go on go-karts with, with us at the men's getaway? Men's getaway? Oh, man, all, all the passions got thrown out. We were, the guy was like, we, we were way out of control. We were like crashing, we were like driving, smashing into people and riding up over people and stomping on people. This is on video, so I got to be careful. Oops. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. Uh so we were a bad testimony, but we had a good time. <laughs> okay, that didn't sound right either, but all right. We repented and witnessed to the guy afterwards, so <laughs> didn't make it right. But we had so much fun and I think we broke some go-karts. There's a there's a great place in western Maryland that we can't go to anymore, but good place. All right. So this this is how we do de- <laughs> this is how we deal with conflicts. And conflicts are not fun, let's be honest. They're uncomfortable. They are, they can bring out the worst in us, hopefully not. But it really shows us what spirit you're of. <laughs> There's an interesting verse. Luke chapter 9. Uh, 53 through 56. Jesus is with the disciples and they're not received in a town. Remember what happens there? What happens? Let's read it. Who wants to read 953 through 56? Disciples are there with Jesus. It's, uh, you know, they're traveling town to town, sharing the gospel, and then something happens. What happens there? Joe, go ahead.
1: But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples such as James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire from down to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Okay. And
0: Isn't that good? God, we can call down fire and destroy these people. Would you like that? God's, God is thinking to himself, uh, That's kind of not the point of my ministry, guys. My ministry is to love, forgive, and save. And you want to to kill and destroy and toast them up, right? Mm -hmm. Conflicts and difficulties will certainly show us what we're thinking about or where our source is and certainly what spirit we're of. And when we recognize that we're in the spirit, it's amazing how much grace, patience, and poise we have in difficult situations. Mm -hmm. But if we're not in the spirit... you want to just you want to just remember james chapter 3 you want to just like start stuffing socks in your mouth you just want to you want to settle down and get with the spirit and just say lord i'm a raving lunatic right now i need you to control my tongue and my spirit by the way what how do we control our tongue what did we say a way to control the tongue is through the what what Change of heart, or more specifically, what did Patrick say? Yes, the contents of our, what's going on inside, will certainly help us on the outside. So, let's look back here, Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. Let me just go through it real quick. How to deal with conflict, it starts by chapter 4, verse 7. Submitting ourselves to God. That's number one. Submission. The glad surrender. The saying, God, I am coming under your authority to submit. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word. Because we submit ourselves one to another. We come under the authority of Christ in each other's life, in a marriage. In a relationship, we don't submit to people's flesh. We submit to the Christ in the other person. That's why we follow each other's faith. So if something is going sideways, instead of trying to fix it or wonder why it's happening or blow up with all our emotions, what do we do? We submit to God. We say, Lord, before I go out like a volcano here, I want to just wait on you. This is number one, submit to God, to come under his authority. See, the natural understanding is to figure out why it's happening. God, are you punishing me? Did I do something wrong? Did I not do enough? Remember, Satan will always make it about our performance, always. Remember that in a a temptation, it's all about us devil will always throw in our face what we're not doing. And we have to say, nope, even if I didn't do anything, we are still justified and and accepted in the beloved. So submit to God. Now, I got to say that those are beautiful words, but that's a decision of the heart. I, I remember talking to a brother who was praying and he said, it took me 45 minutes to calm down. Busy you know crazy day, and it took me forty five minutes to to collect myself. you ever have days like that? Of course not, you guys are awesome, yeah, yeah, our mind is like a freight train, it can move, move move move, psychic noise, bam, bam, bam and it's like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna be still and wait on you and submit to you, like I surrender the situation. I surrender myself. I surrender that other person. I surrender what is happening and what's not happening. I surrender. And sometimes you have to physically say it out loud. Number two, he says resist the devil. Now, these things go hand in hand. In submitting to God, he actually resists the devil or gives you the power to hide in him and you're able to resist the devil. Right? Just like temptation, we cannot prepare for the temptation in the temptation. We prepare for the temptation before the temptation. It's the same principle. Resisting God means that God is standing between you and that person, trial, issue, sin, whatever. Resist to fight back. Exodus 14 13 and 14. Isn't that awesome? We're not called to fight the fight of the flesh. We're called to fight the fight of faith, which means we are laboring to keep Christ the main thing. Amen? So asking. You ask amiss. You ask generally. You ask abstractly. Lord, bless me today. By the way, I challenge you, the next time you pray, don't use the word bless. I challenge you. It's a a very abstract word. I don't even know what the word blessed means. I don't even, actually, maybe my trouble is a blessing. But we want the chocolates and the cappuccinos and the and uh, the beautiful sunny days. And God's like, sounds good. You won't know me in those days. Uh, thank God for those days. Believe me. Number th- m- Number three, verse eight, draw near to God. You see that? We're not even dealing with a situation. We're not even dealing with a conflict. We're dealing with you and me. God is like, you're angry because of you. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, that person makes me angry. No, they don't. That person has triggered you to reflect baggage. Anger is a good thing if you're angry at the right thing. But a lot of people are angry at the wrong thing, right? Anger. Um, it's, a, it's a strong emotion. We should have righteous anger. We should be angry at injustice. We should be angry at ungodliness. We should be angry at things that blaspheme God. Right? But we, we get angry if our if our coffee's cold. You know, we get angry if the the burger is, it, they forgot the pickles, right? Just joking. Anger is interesting. I, I study a lot about it. Anger can happen when I look at somebody and I see myself in that person and I hate what I see. Anger's like a mirror. Like a mirror. I'm not a very good drawer here. I see something that reminds me of myself and I don't like it. It's an unresolved conflict. What does God say? Give it to me. Don't fight me. Don't fight yourself. Love your love yourself with my love, right? We see anger erupt over the craziest things, right? Draw near to God. Wow, it's beautiful. That's what you're doing tonight. You are getting close to God. What happens when you get close to somebody? Right? What happens when you get close to somebody? You could did you say some of you, you smell them? Smell <laughs> them. <laughs> that's for sure. That brings up a great story, I don't know if I should say it though, uh, knowing and trusting them. I remember being in the buses in the Ukraine and it was a certain time when people really didn't take showers. And um, my brother and I were in this packed bus, it had to be like 100 people in this, this little tiny bus and, and uh, I mean, it smelled so bad. I mean, I was hanging on to something. I had somebody's armpit right in my my nose, right? So my brother and I were singing that song, B.O. B.O. That person's got B.O. Okay, you know that song? Sorry, Eastern Europeans in the class, I just repent before you. We had so much fun because we were so close to our neighbor that I could smell them, and that was really quite an experience. I was almost, I got off that bus. And I was almost delirious, right? Then you had the person that sprayed all kinds of perfume that hadn't had a bath in maybe a month. So BO and perfume, that's also very toxic, right? Okay, how did I get there? Why did I bring that? Okay, you get close to them to know them. You can see them, you can uh, be in their proximity. It's personal space. God says, draw near to me. You're anxious, you're upset, Matthew 11, 28, come to me, come to me, let me resist the devil in your life, let me fight your battle, let me give you what you don't even know you need, Lord, I want to be delivered, God says, I may not deliver you that way, I might do something even greater, right, I want to go above and beyond. And then we get angry at people. We get angry at situations. And we just hurt ourselves. Who makes us angry? We make ourselves angry. You say that's not true. I say it is true. It just triggers in our hearts past baggage. And we all have it. And when that happens, it's a great thing to say, God... That, thank you for showing me that insecurity. Thank you for showing me that ridiculous way of thinking, that jealousy, that enviousness, that covetousness, whatever. Thank you. And God says, let me, let me uh, carry your burdens. Notice this in verse 8. I love this. This is number, <clears throat> where are we? Four? Okay, you ready? Four. What does four say? Yes, cleanse your hands. That's a good COVID verse. Okay, I'm stirred up tonight. I'm already breaking the rules here. Cleanse your hands, right? What's it talking about? It's not just talking about cleaning your hands 900 times. I talked to somebody today uh, that... Oh, actually, I just—I'll let that. Yeah. Anyway, cleanse your hands means that your actions reflect the purity and wholeness of God. Cleanse your hands. Whatever it is that your hands get dirty, clean them. John fifteen three. Have this understanding that you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Cleanliness. Cleanliness. Let's read that. Purify, cleanse your heart, and purify your hearts. Don't you love how Jesus uh, showed us what it means to purge our hearts? One thing to be clean on the outside, whole other thing to be totally poured out on the inside and say, God, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Purge me. Purge my motives. And these are great prayers. And you know what happens? What happens when we clean our hands and purge our heart? We don't, we come to this place where we don't even care about the outcome. And that might sound radical. We want the best possible outcome. Well, as we're getting to know God, drawing near to God, discovering who God is and seeing that through obedience, he learned suffering. We say, I don't even care about the outcome. I'm becoming more like Christ. Look at verse 9. It says here, Be miserable. Okay? Be miserable, you dumbbell minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Wow, that's pretty. That's a serious verse. He's saying here that I want you seriously sober and know my mood for the situation. This is a good word, the word mood, okay? I'm not talking about being moody, where we're just like a a yo-yo here. I'm talking about Christ's mood. He was somber, and he was serious, and he was seeing, uh, there was, um, what touched his heart, touched their heart. Our world is eating and drinking and being merry and God is weeping over the city. Big difference. Big difference. Be miserable, mourn, weep. Okay, those are the few. And then verse 10, humble yourself. We haven't even touched the problem yet. Isn't this interesting? Humble yourself. Which means, okay, Lord, I transition to your will, your plan. And your resolve. Guaranteed, this doesn't happen neatly. Love is very messy, all right? It is, isn't it? But the beautiful thing about God is he is releasing us of our baggage. It's awesome. I love that. Don't you love kids? You look at kids and they're free, they're innocent, they don't have any baggage, they haven't learned to be complicated yet. Here they are. Just give me a lollipop and it's like I'm the I'm on top of the world, right? Or if you're like my son give him 10 lollipops. <laughs> he likes it. Do not speak evil against other Christians verse 11 and 12. You know, we just said that in James 3 In Romans 2:1 if I open my mouth and slander another brother, and that's a big word, if I assassinate his character, then the sin comes off him who is guilty and is on me with compound judgment. Revelation, uh, Romans 2.1. That's a scary verse. All right? So he's saying here, uh, James 4.11, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren, who speaks evil of a brother and judges him, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one law giver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Somebody might tell you, "Oh, you're judging me." You might, and that's another thing. What is the difference between judgment and discernment? Anybody know? There's a distinct difference. Andrew. Motivation. Okay, motivation. True. Is it governed by love? Okay, good. Is it governed by love? Good. What else? Judgment versus. Uh, Discernment, yes, Erhan. When we judge, we, we put ourselves above that person. Okay. We are better than you. But discernment means you realize, and it says that's from God, that's not from God. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah, Josh? judgment
1: is like about a person's character or their identity. Like you're, you're drawing a conclusion about a person's character, whereas discernment might be more about, like, of oh, an observation of an action
0: Okay. Good. Okay. That's excellent. These are excellent answers. Lennon?
1: Okay.
0: Good. Who wants to read Galatians six one? There's one word Your answers are all right. There's a difference between discernment and judgment. It's one word. Emotion. 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 Which includes what Andrew said, motivation. Which includes what Erhan and Josh said and Lennon emotion. What is my personal? What is going on in my emotions? Am I am am I emotional? All right. Who wants to read Galatians six one? Yeah, Nick. Really? Go for it.
1: Possible.
0: Excellent. Good. Good. So if I'm riled up about someone's situation, I should probably dial it back and say, Lord, I need to be with you so I don't communicate out of emotion, but out of wisdom. Our world cannot handle sound doctrine, they cannot even handle sound wisdom. Nine times, right, Joe? I'm Joe, you're a counselor every day. It's every day you give sound advice and they have itching ears and wandering eyes and wandering minds. But you could clearly give them the truth and they don't even see it. They don't even see the truth in it. So someone might say you're judging me. No. I'm discerning what spirit you're of. I'm discerning by your actions. Uh. What kingdom you're living in, so that's a tough one because you can be kind and in Galatians six, one you can go in the spirit of meekness and win a brother and um boy i'd love to say you'll win', them, but maybe you won't, but you can pray for them, and God will certainly uh have a ministry to them right right that's good all right let's let's um So conflict, so where uh, James is saying God is good despite our circumstances. Now, in our cultural, uh, in our hyper-cultured world, people judge God based on the environment of the world. They say things like, if God is such a good God... Why is the world on fire? Why is he sending people to hell? Or why does that baby die in poverty? Or why does that nation, why is that a nation that suffers constantly? So that is a logical statement, but that is certainly not a spiritual statement. Is God judged by what he does? Is he judged on that level alone? Is he? No, he's not. God is good because that is who he is, (laughs) period. That's absolute truth. He is who he is, and what he does will certainly explain who he is, but it's not the entirety of who he is. There's a beautiful word called ontologicalism. Anybody know this word? It's a million-dollar word, nice theological word. Ontologicalism. It means God was before there was a reason for him to be. So what does that mean? God was love before I needed to be loved. God was forgiveness before I needed to be forgiven. God was savior before I needed to be rescued. And that's awesome. Because who he is, is based on who he is. And we are receivers of that perfect nature And this is why what we do or don't do does not change who he is. That's good. But James is saying, listen, guys, God is good, but the world's on fire. Yes, it is. You know why the world's on fire? Because man is so full of himself, and he's so far from God, and he's arrogant. That's why the world's on fire. But we love, we pray, we go, we minister, and we have a pursuing God. Amen? All right. Are you okay for another few minutes before you break? Are you good? How are you doing out there? Okay, what are the, what are the ten things we just said? Ten commandments of resolving conflict. Who's, who, who's got them? Brandon, give me one of them. Sorry, right. Joe.
1: I got a few of them submission to God, resist the devil, draw near, cleanse your hands, be seriously sober, humble yourself, do not speak evil. That's where I stopped right,
0: be miserable.
1: <laughs>
0: Lord, I'm miserable. God says, "Yeah." And that just simply means tap into his heart, like the mood, right? Do you think God is happy about He says he he um is God happy about sin in our life? No, it grieves him. There's a pain in his heart. There's a mood for abortion. There's a mood about um, lawlessness, right? God has a mood about it. He is, if we could personify him and say that it hurts him, okay? Did you say humble yourself? Yes. Okay, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, be miserable, mourn, weep, humble yourself, and do not speak evil. And then... And then, after we're in the right way, God will say, now you're ready for me to answer your prayer. Now you're ready for me to do something above and beyond. Now you're ready to worship me while you wait and trust me for the outcome. Boy, that's a hard thing in the flesh, but a beautiful thing in the spirit. Okay, I'm going to take a break because I'm going to shift into something else. Any questions? Any questions? Yes, Nick. One more time, sure. Submit yourself to God. What did we say that meant?
1: Come under his
0: authority. Good. Come under his authority. Okay. Surrender. Resist the devil. Who does the resisting? God does. Gosh, if it was me, right? You know, we're no match for the devil. Resist the devil. A good a good chapter is Proverbs chapter 30. It talks about three different, uh, there's an insect and an animal, the conies. They hide in the rocks to protect themselves. They hide in something greater than themselves so the, their enemy cannot devour them. What's the third one? Draw nigh to God right? Don't draw an eye to my television, right? My Netflix, my Instagram. Is that going to help me resist the devil? I'm not against those things, but draw an eye to God. Open my Bible. Get with a brother. Get on my face, right? Draw nigh to God. Everything in our life is directly related to our walk of faith. God is over here going, hello, hello, I'm over here. And that situation may be what redirects you back to him. Cleanse your hands, right? What's in your hands? Well, Peter had a sword. And God says, Peter, put the sword down. What what are you doing? (laughs) If this was my kingdom, I would have you fight for me. Cleanse your hands. Whatever has soiled your hands, repent and give it back to me. Purify your hearts. What did we say, purify our hearts, man? Ray, anything. Purify your hearts. Change the context. Good. Okay. Purify your hearts. Anybody else? That's very good. Actually, that's better than my answer. Nick. What? Yes. Restore into us our, our, uh, our relationship. I always love that story with Pastor Shabelli. It's like, you know, you're washing your hands, but who washes your heart? He said that uh, Iman, I think it was Morocco, right? That he would say, who is dealing with the inside? We deal with the outside. We have a, we're pretenders. We have a good show. But what's going on inside? Be miserable. (laughs) I I don't like to be miserable. I'm an optimistic person. What is God saying? Be miserable. What's he saying? Yeah.
1: Miserable is not being like like punish yourself or like kind of like give pain torture to yourself. It means to you like kind of know that the is God, he is just respect and just like kind of show that I'm not like
0: we can understand it. That way. And we can. Yep. Yeah. What's God's attitude? What's God thinking? How does this affect God? Mourn. I tell you our tears are precious to God. Weeping more than just being sad, it might cause us to actually agonize. And then humility, like Erhan is saying, like God, I I am just totally before you and do not speak evil. That's a big one. We can, get, we can get angry and start flapping our gums here and we can compound the situation, right? I'm always amazed visiting people in the hospital. Um, you know, I have a good friend that just got diagnosed with fourth stage kidney cancer. He's a very close friend of mine. And, um, and it broke my heart to hear that. It was a shock. He's a young man. He's my age, and uh, but you know when you talk to him, guess what? He's like just he's like totally looking to the Lord. Totally, his conversation has no guile, no anger, no "Why is God doing this to me?" Nothing. He's totally broken, and I'm believing God he'll be totally healed. Right? That's awesome. Okay, let's break. Let's break. Amen. Yet, but he gave this illustration about how grace—grace—is here, and we're not looking back to earn it, and we're not looking to keep it. Right? We're just enjoying it. Right? Big, big difference. Right? That's why we I was sharing with a brother today that uh, salvation is permanent. It is a work of God. It's let's just. What are some verses about permanent salvation, right? Ephesians 1.13. We have John 10.28, 29. Give me a couple. What, what are verses that show us that his keeping power is permanent? What are some verses? Good, yes, John six. So there's others, 63, 66. Anybody else? Keeping power of God. Someone says, oh, I could lose my salvation, right? Or I have sinned my way out of salvation. What would you tell them? Uh-huh. Give me some verses, Joe. I was
1: going to say, you, you, you fall out of relationship, but not
0: salvation. Good. So it's a matter of Good. What's a verse that says that? good yes the romans eight yes what else each one of us should memorize at least five verses just for our own personal sanity right <laughs> yes first peter 1, five. good first peter one five excellent verse you want to read that one that's probably that's that's an excellent verse
1: you are kept by the power of god through faith for
0: salvation ready to be revealed to Beautiful, All right? Jonah two nine is a good verse. Salvation is of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Romans. It's not. It's Ephesians two eighty nine. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done. Romans six twenty three. It's. We, it is a gift of God, right? The Romans Road. How many people know the Romans Road? Yikes! Yikes! Yeah. You got to know this stuff. Yeah. Um, no, you... Well, give me some verses, Brandon. You know,
1: I don't, I don't know verses. I just know Romans wrote is like...
0: Romans 10, 9 and 10, right? Confess with your, ho- your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. Ecclesiastes 3.11, what God does... He does forever. Okay. I just strongly recommend you having those, not to beat people over the head, but to, I mean, we were on the phone with a brother today for 25 minutes, and his mood changed because he didn't have to, it was not him keeping his salvation. John ten twenty eight is a huge verse where we are in the hand of God and no one can pluck us out of his hand. How about this? Romans 8.37. We just heard it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Okay, let's jump back in James 4 for a minute. I want to look at verse 6 because this is a verse that uh, our church has the name of it. You know, we took the name of our church from this verse. He gives more grace or greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the humble and gives grace but gives grace to the humble, right? And um, just by way of review, grace is by way of revelation. You want to be stirred up in the grace of God, just read the book of Galatians, right? We're studying that in Elton and provoking ourselves to the beauty and the power of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, right? Right? Now, we gave you a a sheet. I'd like you to look at it uh, for a minute because I think I've preached maybe 150 messages from this paper, honestly. Um, This is William Newell from the 1800s from Romans chapter 8. And I'm not going to be able to go through it, but I just encourage you to spend some time here. It's one of the most edifying uh, things to think about about what is grace and grace is God acting freely according to his own nature as love with no promise of obligations to fulfill and acting righteously in the view of the death of his son man is not the cause of God's grace the cause of grace is God the giver like God didn't think one day "Oh, I got to be gracious because he's these guys have messed up everything. No, no. God says man isn't the, it's not cause and effect. It is God being everything that we need before we realized that we needed him. So, so we see in this, this uh, in James chapter 4, that God fights the proud. And the proud here is dependence on self. And not in reliance on self. That's what causes pride. Okay? It's not necessarily being arrogant or, or um, shaking our fist to the heaven. James is saying listen, if we have any confidence in our flesh, it will lead to pride, and God will fight you. I don't know about you. I don't need God fighting me. I got enough fighting going around, right? (laughs) Right? So, and it goes back to James chapter 4. It's like, hey, listen, your baggage is causing your outer turmoil because you have inner turmoil. Turbulence. Right? So this is what grace does. It's it's a work of God in me and you that depends on God. Our action or lack of action does not diminish who he is. E. Stanley Jones says this, listen to this. Grace binds you with far stronger cords of duty or obligation can bind you. Grace is free. Once you take it, you are bound forever to the giver and bound to catch The spirit of the giver. Like produces like. Grace makes you gracious. The giver makes you give. Isn't that good? That's good. You want to read it again? E. Stanley Jones. Grace binds you with far stronger cords than duty or obligation can bind you. Right? Duty and obligation. Mm. Grace is free. Once you take it, you are bound forever to the giver and bound to catch the spirits of the giver. Like produces like, which means you're near him, you become like him, right? You receive from him, you reveal him. Grace makes you gracious, but the giver makes you to give. Awesome. So grace by way of revelation is the most important thing in our life right? It's more than unmerited favor. It's more than extravagant benevolence. It is the person of Christ poured out to you and me. It's amazing, right? Think about that. Why is that so precious? Because grace, right? Mercy shows us how costly grace is. God says you deserve hell. I sent my only Son. So that you could have a a decision to respond and live in heaven forever and ever. And then I've sealed you to the day of redemption. I'm keeping you. I'm holding you. Right. I'm speaking to you. A sinner in the presence of a holy God. I mean, this is uh, unimaginable outside of Revelation. God owes no debt to man, neither does he wait for man to do something, some specific action. God gives grace to whomever and however he pleases, sometimes to the worst of sinners. Somebody says that grace is like water. It it always finds the least, the depth of, of any place. Grace does not reward man's ability or efforts. Grace is absolute. It does it all or nothing at all. Isn't that good? You and I don't need to help God today. Isn't that good? God, I think you need a lot of help. Really? I want to be active in my faith, but I want to be motivated by love. Love it. Anyway, this is a a phenomenal paper uh, that I cannot strongly enough recommend because Grace once bestowed is not withdrawn, for God knew all the human needs beforehand. His action was independent of them and not dependent of them. That's the glorious gospel. Friends, the world does not know the glorious gospel. It knows religion. It knows about failure. It knows about the debt But that is the glorious gospel. So my Zona, Karen, let's look at 1 Peter 4.10. I can't strongly enough say, I pray every day, God, give me a revelation of the beauty of grace that we are sons and daughters. We are accepted. We are treasured. 1 Peter 5.10, be a good steward. And that's our mission of the manifold, or many-sided, or many faces of grace. Isn't that good? Be a good steward. It means give what the person desperately needs and not what they deserve, right? Wow, Lord help us with that, amen? Any comment on that? How many are thankful for that? Yeah, amen. Okay, jump back in James 4, 13. It, he deals with presumption here. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go in such and such a city. Spend a year there by and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Whoa, what a question. It is even a vapor. You're drinking a Coca-Cola and that little fizz there and then it's gone it appears for a little time and then vanishes away instead you ought to say if the lord wills shall live and do this or that but if you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin right little little connection there with romans 6 and romans 7 to do what i will that doesn't please God is what I do rather than what pleases God. So, what is your life? Amen. It's kind of a sobering thought. Well, I want to jump into James 5. How you doing? You alright? You still with me? Raise your hands. Are you guys good? You're amazing, class. James chapter 5 goes into money and um and it also talks about prayer. Um and I really want to touch on something here. But uh, we see in chapter 5, verse 1 and through 4. Uh, Come now, you who are rich, weep and howl for your miseries that they are coming upon you. Now, before I, go out, before I go into this any further, if people have money, that's a beautiful thing. But the love of money, it's the love of money that twists us up and is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. God speaks about money in the New Testament more than anything else. So um, we don't want to go downing on money here. Money is a great tool. But if my trust is in money, Proverbs 23.5 says, if you trust in money, that's what happens. It grows wings and flies away. Twenty three five of Proverbs. It also happens, I believe, our offerings... As we give our offerings to the Lord, he blesses our finances. I held back for a season in my life, and I can honestly testify that um, it really is true. When we honor God, he honors us. And I had more trouble with my money when I didn't tithe it and offer it to God. It's It's an incredible testimony. Prove God on that. But he's saying your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and the corrosion will be the witness against you. And will eat your flesh like fire. You've heaped up treasures in the last day. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you've kept back by fraud. Woo! Cry out! The cry. That's blood money, right? Fraud. He just goes on to say here that your riches, if your trust and hope is in them, they will be gone, and they are um, they are a false hope, they are a false hope. Um, I want to move down here, um, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord See now the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently. For until he receives an early and latter rain, you also be patient, establishing your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Where does he say that earlier? Where else does he say that? Be patient. Yes. One what? Yes. Let patience have its perfect work, right? Are any, do we, any of us have the gift of patience here? No. Let's just be honest. Uh, He's the God of all patience, right? Therefore, we can be tolerant, we can certainly hold on for a bit, but patience is a supernatural waiting on the Lord. Supernatural waiting. And He will give you the strength to wait on Him. Not waiting for things to change, but waiting on Him. This is where anxiety and stress and, and our insides get knotted up because... We're always learning how to wait on the Lord in Psalm 62, verse 5. Because we in our own hearts are wanting things done yesterday. But he's saying earlier, be careful of fraud. Gaining money based on false pretense or lying, lying, cheating. It's prevalent in our world. And um, you will lay down in sorrow... But in Proverbs ten thirteen, right? He will add to your life without sorrow. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? You do it God's way, you'll have what you need when you need it, it might not be extravagant, but no sorrow will be added to your life, right? All right, um, that's a beautiful, that's a really beautiful point there. Do not grumble against one another. See, there it is again, this whole relational communication. Lest you be condemned. Wow. Ever hear some false, or you ever hear some truth about someone, but they're not there to defend themselves? What do we call that? Gossip. True or not true, it's still gossip, right? Slander is written, uh, it's a written um, assassination of character. You are destroying their character, Right? So always, Matthew chapter 18, always make sure in verse 15 through 18, make sure that you have whomever is present that can defend themselves or speak for themselves. And then he goes into this thing. Behold, the judge, speaking of Jesus Christ, capital J, is standing at the door. Whose door? Your door. (laughs) Revelations 3.20 is knocking, right? If I start to grumble that we are arming the devil and our situation will compound. That's why we live quiet lives and we communicate to the people that can do something about it. We don't communicate sideways. And that's an important point there. If you're in trouble, you don't wanna communicate this way to other people. You wanna communicate this way, right? To people that can actually do something, right? Because otherwise it just magnifies the issues and it defiles many people, right? Um, He goes on to say, uh, again, suffering worketh patience. You see that? Verse 10, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the preservation of Job and seen the end intended of the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So, so that's a that's a good point to say. If you suffer with me, you will reign with me. And I had I written that verse down. Uh I will see it somewhere here. Okay. If you suffer with me, you will also reign with me. Anybody know where that verse is? That's probably right in front of my eyes here. Oh, 2 Timothy 2.12. Thank you. 2 Timothy 2.12. Now, this is a very unpopular thought, and this is going to segue into what I want to finish with tonight. Some people think that suffering is, is somehow connected to sin. Okay? Well, we reap what we sow, and in some cases, consequences will reflect a difficulty... Because we're fighting God rather than submitting to God. But not all suffering is related to sin. I want to show you an interesting verse here. And I want to talk about healing in the atonement. Anybody heard that term before? Healing in the atonement? Nobody's heard that term? Okay. So healing in the atonement, a lot of people quote Isaiah chapter 53 4 and 5, that by his stripes we are healed. And that's a gross uh, misunderstanding of that text. And I want to kind of open up something here very important. Because um, let's look at this. Uh, Verse 13 of chapter 5. If any among you are suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If anyone among you is sick... Let him call from the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he has committed sins. He will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Okay, so there's a couple of things I want to look at. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 together. So I want to start by saying this, will God heal everybody? Will God heal everybody? Let's say the elders, you're there and you're praying over somebody and they have cancer. Will God heal them every time? No. Ultimately, the healing happens if they die, they're totally healed in heaven, right? But there's a sick thought that the reason why people are not healed is because, number one, they don't have faith enough, and number two, they have sin in their life. And this is what is called the healing in the atonement, where somehow... We have offended God and he has not atoned or forgiven all of our sins. So therefore sin is causing the reason for my sickness. Now this is a very popular thought in the charismatic movement and it's super destructive. And this is why the prosperity gospel is a sham. The prosperity gospel is a sham. And that means if you have... If you're not rich, you have sin in your life. If you're sick, you have sin in your life. That is the most ungodly, demonic teaching, and it's destroying people wholesale. Now, healing is a gift. Does God heal people today? Certainly does. Does a man heal somebody? No. God uses the ministry of the Spirit to heal people. I have seen it. You have seen it. I have seen God heal people. Um, I think of Joshua Goody. There's a very good example right there. An impossible situation. And I'm telling you, it was impossible. And God healed him. Uh, I believe in healing. But if someone is not healed, it is not a a reflection on the lack of faith. Because if you look at the Gospels, Jesus healed the unsaved. Healed the unsaved. Okay, if you... There's an interesting thing. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels point to Christ's ministry of healing. How many? One out of every 10. Why was Jesus healing? Yes, he was displaying his, his Messiahship. Yes, he was giving a sign so people would believe, right? Is healing for today? It is. But, but... It is clear that, it, and I, I hate to keep belaboring this, When and I have been in these situations. You have been in these situations. we prayed earnestly. We have prayed with oil. We've had an effectual prayer, and God is not healed, and that person's died, or that situation got worse, or that person had ang- uh, anguish. What happened there? What happened there? Was my prayer not good enough? Was your prayer not good enough? Was that dear saint? And I've seen some amazing people suffer. And I'm like, God, why is it? And you know what we can say? God is saying, I love that person and I'm bringing them home with me. I am, I'm, we're not here to explain why God does one thing and doesn't do another, right? But we must understand, let's, let's look at Romans 8.18. Who wants to read 8.18 through 25? This is important because in the Pentecostal movement, and I love the charismatic movement, but they are seriously there's full of error here, full of error, full of fraudulentness and it, and I remember a, a beautiful brother that came into our church, he was in a church for many, many years and and um, he came to one of our services, and I got talking with him and and I, I said, "Hey I said, tell me your story and he goes. He goes, well, I worked for a church for 20 years, and I got cancer, and uh, my pastor told me that I didn't have enough faith. That's why I have cancer, and so he kicked me out of the church. Wow. Uh, and I said, oh, that sounds like the heart of God, doesn't it? I wanted, I wanted to just go animated here on him, but I said, you know, I said, why don't you come be with us? Just let's just love the Lord together. He lived another six months before he passed, and he was one of the most amazing Christians I've ever met. And uh, but to think that somehow his condition was based on the lack of faith or the lack of some sin in his life, uh is so ungodly. All right. Let's read. You want to read Romans 8, Josh? Romans 8:18. 8, now, people will throw this verse at you, 3rd John 2. You will prosper as your soul will prosper. I mean, I love that verse, right? You will prosper. Now, how we think, what we spend our time doing, will it affect our health? Absolutely, right? It really will. Um, but we have to understand the whole heart of God here, that his nature is he's a God that heals. All right, let's look at 818 through 25. Go ahead, and read that Renee right lot.:
1: For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation usually waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty as the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth Mm pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance.
0: Wow, isn't that good? Let me give you a couple of verses here. Um, God is sovereign and therefore healing is a gift. And granted, we have to walk very carefully with people and be compassionate in their journey. I've sat with many people, maybe you have too, and they say these beautiful words like, "Why? Why is this happening?" Well, the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous avails much. Um, we see that God is near to those that call out to Him. Let me give you a couple. Exodus fifteen twenty. Exodus fifteen twenty six. I am the God who heals you. Exodus 1526. I'll give you a couple of verses here. Um, Exodus 2325. Now people might seek the healing, but God is saying, seek the healer. All right? I want the answer, but God is saying seek the author right? Psalm 103.3, right? I struggled with this when my mom passed away, very young, right? I struggled with this. I was actually very upset because I was like, my mom was an incredible woman. You know, why would you take someone so early, you know, passes away reading her Bible, right? So it's like, there is no reason that is logical why people live Longer than others. Why do babies? Why are babies taken? Isaiah 57 1. God says in 57 1 that He saves young kids from the evil to come. He sees the evil and He takes them. All right. That's one of the most unbelievable, tough things to swallow. I can only imagine, and I don't want to imagine it. Malachi 4 2. There's healing in His wings. So when some bozo, and I mean that, tells that tells you that it's your fault, pray hard and be in the right spirit. Try not to unload on them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so angry at it because it happens all the time. And it's so wrong. And they quote Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, like, by his stripes we are healed. Okay, so let me just address that. The cross... What did the cross do? Let me tell you that, because Isaiah 53 is all about the cross and Christ's action on the cross. So what did the cross do? What did the cross do? Joe access to God. Okay, it gives access to God. but how did it do that? How did we get? Okay, there, that's the first thing. He conquered sin. He conquered sin, right? What was the second thing he did? Yes, how? How did he do that? Yes, he paid the debt that we owed. So not only did he remove it, he stood in our place. And then thirdly, the blood washes us from all sin, past, present, and future. So, the message of the cross deals with healing and the atonement, and that's why God is free to to heal whomever He wills at whatever time. Any questions on that and isn't that isn't that kind of' isn't that kind of awesome yes josh great
1: i uh, I was thinking about that story you shared with the guy that got kicked out, and I was just wondering, do you think that like the church leader or leaders were motivated because his presence there, like,
0: exposed the falsehood of their doctrine, And maybe that's the real reason that they Mm -hmm. kicked them out. Fantastic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tom White. I'll just say his name straight up. up. Todd White. Todd White, right? Very interestingly enough, he is sick with his heart. And I'm sorry to hear that. But if he had enough faith, he wouldn't be sick, right? I'm joking, because that's been his message and he's deceived thousands of people. Yes, Erhan. And also like I uh, I want to also ask about it. Please about that subject. Like I think nowadays we we too much focus about it, with the healing, but we never like see the whole purpose of gospel, like fear so, Yes. Like, that's the most important thing that Christ showed us. Because at the end of the day, we are all going to go home. We're going to die anyway. <laughs> but when step home, it's that moment of healing. I like, you know, want to stay your life. So let's read Matthew chapter 8. Aaron gives a great point. Matthew eight sixteen through 17. Why did God heal people? Right? Yes, because of love. But yes, to testify of. Of, um, for salvation, Matthew chapter 8, 16 and 17. Who wants to read that verse? Zoe, I meant to call on you last class. Do you mind reading eight, uh, Matthew 8, uh, 16 and 17? Yes. Beautiful. Isaiah 53 right there. Does it say that he ran around speaking in tongues? Did it say that he cut themselves? Did it say that you had to have a special prayer language to really tune in so the demons wouldn't understand what you were saying? Did he, No, he spoke a word, right? I love that. He spoke a word. So Isaiah 53 and I I love this chapter. It's one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. Isaiah 53 This is where really it testifies of the cross and how he took all of our sin. That's why the Calvinist teaching of a limited atonement is demonic. Or that God predestines people to heaven and predestines people to hell. That's heresy. We should be angry about it because it deceives people. But we see here that it's an unlimited atonement for whosoever will may come at whatsoever time in whatever and whenever period of in their life or in their, any condition. But we see that Christ, 1 John chapter two, uh, 2, he took on the sins of the whole world. It's incredible. Anyway, wow. Amen? Isn't that good? God, like, why would God heal Josh and not heal another person? Well, God doesn't even have to give an answer. Like, do I have to give an answer to man on my ways? I mean, just read, huh, read Job thirty-seven and thirty-eight. Job gives him twelve questions, and God says, "I got sixty questions from Job." So I get it. We're and I'm not faulting anybody. We we struggle here. But I just want to say the effectual, fervent prayer is valuable. Don't stop praying. Keep asking. Seek the healer and not just the healing. Seek the author and not just the answer. Right? Amen? How many like that? All right. So we have a quiz. Do we have the quiz, Sandon? All right. Sandin's going to give you a quiz. It's super easy. And you can take that home, use your notes. Um, it's not, I mean, if you're able to type that, the answers, uh, I would appreciate that. But it's super. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Sandin and I. Any last comments or questions? Tim, anything? Or Jehu, Anything? Joke.
1: It's real. I mean, I see it with my patients. I have a guy right now, and he's angry at God, doesn't want to hear about God, because when he was in college, his best friend, he was an A student, and a good man was basically murdered on campus. And then he also grew up with a real violent father. So he just can't rectify anything. He doesn't want to hear anything. And he always asks the question, why? It's so real out there.
0: I mean I get the question why but as a believer it's what God what are you working in my life? Right. What is your purpose here? What is it that I'm to learn? And we've seen people, you've seen people in great difficulties and they are they are conquering in their spirit. They're conquering in Christ. So precious Father, thank you tonight. We give you the praise and these things, the book of James. Lord, we want to be Led by your spirit, we want to be moving in your spirit and declaring your greatness. Lord, thank you for this book. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.